You've played the missions, but do you really know the lore? We are here to be your guides. Your guardians. This is Guardians of Lore. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, Guardians. Welcome to Guardians of Lore. This is episode 146, recorded May 15th, 2022. Talk for this episode is Acts of Mercy Part 1. In case you couldn't tell already, I'm your host this time. I am Elamist. Hey, I'm Orchid. Hey, Orchid. Hi, Elamist. So we got some podcast info. We encourage feedback. That can be sent to us on Twitter at Guardians underscore lore at hey it's orchid or at i underscore am underscore elemist you can email us at guardians underscore lore at outlook.com you can leave us a review wherever you find the podcast and if you do let us know about it we like reading it uh you could also jump into our discord the invite is down in the episode description but if you want to type it all out it's discord.gg slash lorehub and if you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit ko-fi.com slash guardians underscore lore. Every little bit helps, and we appreciate it. Thank you for your generosity. We do appreciate it. You can also find our info on thelorenetwork.com alongside many impressive lore content creators. Wait for it. <gasps> We're still there. There it is. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Actually, before we move on... um. A really brief thing. Apparently, like GCX is coming up. We're actually still doing the lore panel question mark. I'm I'm actually on it this year again for some reason. I I thought they would not ask me back after talking about upskirting the darkness. And yet here we are a year later. I think that was part of the reason why they invited you back. I don't know about that. I think they invited me back because Focus Fire Chat is the group that started the lore panel. (laughs) So I think it's like a package deal. And it was just like, fuck, you know, Orchid's on the thing. We have to invite her because it's really awkward if you don't invite the person that's in the thing that started the thing. But since FFC is no longer in the deal and Blue was like, I don't even want to do it now, but I'm still there. It's just like on the lorenetwork.com, I'm also still there. Um, <laughs> I get, I'm still doing the lore panel, even though Blue isn't, because they didn't really want to change the lineup very much. So that's still happening. Yeah, I don't know. Most of us aren't going. Fife wasn't gonna go until like a couple of days ago, and he's like, "Oh yeah, actually, psych. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be there." So, but the rest of us are going to be there virtually. Yeah. Because Matt's wife is going to have a baby, like, imminently. <laughs> and Baxter's going to be in Ireland. I will be here. So, it's going to be like a weird Zoom call, question mark. I don't know how they're <laughs> going to do this. It's going to be awkward and weird. Eh, <laughs> I don't know. You'll figure it out and you'll be fine. Uh, I'm not going to upskirt the darkness this year, I promise. Only be, I'm gonna be on my best behavior. Only because there hasn't been a darkness for you to upskirt this year. I know. <laughs> I haven't tried to upskirt anybody this year. You can't upskirt Savathun because she just like stomps you into the ground. I tried. 
No, nah, the, the new thing is you're you're going to be telling everybody about, you know, Rolk stepping on it, stepping on you. Oh, my God. Right. Rolk's feet. Oh, God. He's oh, got God. hooves, guys. Mm. Oh, God. What did I start? Mm. Rolk is such a dad. So this week at Guardians of Lore, the twoggle. Right. OK. Got distracted. Rift is coming back next season in Iron Banner. Who called it last week? It was me. <laughs> I'm, I'm just suck it. I'm just thankful that Iron Banner is going to be more than just control. Yes, it's it's me too because control is boring as fuck. Well, because we've had control for Iron Banner for the last six years. Oh, oh my god. In D one, you and I were both talking about this because we're like, did you remember? In the way back times when Iron Banner wasn't just control. And I'm in like, the no. times before. In the before times. I don't remember that because it was in the before times. It's so <laughs> long ago. I don't recall it. It's been too long. Because <laughs> all I remember now is control. Like I've changed apartments <laughs> twice since then. Yep. Yep. It's been too long. And and no, like it, it was funny because it it said it right at the beginning of the TWAB and like I was not even a minute into reading it and I was triggered because they're like, wouldn't it be awesome if Iron Banner was more than just control? You mean like how it was? <laughs> oh my God. Our chat, you're just like all caps. You're like, I'm it! <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, me too, buddy. Me too. Uh. <laughs> me too. But I'm really excited because Rift is one of my favorite game modes and I love it so much. If you've never played Rift before, you're in for a treat. Rift is really fun. It's kind of like Oddball, but in Destiny a little bit. It's Oddball with dunking. To, to people who haven't played Oddball, I kind of explain it as it's, it's, like, it's like soccer or capture the flag. Yeah. I, yeah, actually it is. Yeah. So like you capture like soccer, you capture the one thing and you try to run for their uh -huh. goal. Yep. And you win by dunking it. Uh huh. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah actually. Mm -hmm. It's fun. <laughs> it's a good time. It, it is a really fun game mode. Like, it is. A lot of the fun that I had in year two of Destiny 1 was with Rift. Especially Iron Banner Rift. Like that's when you got all the people in there. The playlist was never empty. It, it was it was awesome. It's really it feels like an event. Like everyone talks about it. Like people get involved. Um, it's a good time. And the fact that they're making it kind of an event now, I think will make it feel a little more special. Like you can go back to D1 and play Rift like it's available all the time. So if you want to try it out. Um, I think the rift in D2 is going to be a little different. They're going to have a little bit of a different rule base, but it's kind of, it's vaguely the same. So yeah, if you played last season in destiny, you are already familiar with the spark and with dunking. Cause I think they were testing it out. They were using that as a test bed for rift. So last season. Yep. Yeah. In the six man activity. Oh yes, 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 yes. Kind of remember what it's called now. Kind of. Yeah. It works the same way. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that made me a little bit irritated was saying that they're only going to have Iron Banner twice in a season now. In week two and week eight, 
because due to his increased responsibilities on Kaido's war council, he now runs Iron Banner in the tower just twice a season. Give me a fucking break. Okay. You're only doing it twice in a season because you're trying to make either Iron Banner special. You can only run Rift twice because you're trying to fix things in between. So you're using it the first one as like a test and then you're going to fix a bunch of shit in between and then you're going to run it again week eight, which is actually probably what's what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, now that you put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> so you're giving yourself enough of a buffer and using lore as an excuse. I can see you doing that, but like, don't No, I'm sorry. You've never given a shit about lore in like in-game activities like this in the TWAB until this very second. Like, don't give me that. I'm sorry. That's I'm actually irritated about that. Like, I know you're trying to be <laughs> cute. Don't be cute. It makes me mad. Um, like legitimately makes me angry. So to, and it shouldn't. It's stupid. So to but. steer away from the anger. Mm. Uh, there are a few other small changes that that they're making to Iron Banner that we didn't post in the actual show notes, um, like power level being disabled or the actual uh, reward earning system. It's going to match um, St. 14. You're going to be able to earn all these engrams by doing specific things and then cash them in to actually start focusing them. I got to remember to turn in my tokens. Shit. There was one other thing. Um, they are actually going to have an Iron Banner seal. I'm excited about that. I'm very excited about that. I'm interested to see what they do for it. But it's only you're only going to have two weeks to work on it. Right. So you're going to have it's going to take multiple seasons to earn. It depends on how they do it, because it could just be like Deadeye where it, you know, hey, go use the seasonal weapon in the playlist. I don't know about that. Or it could be like Unbroken where it's like, oh, hey, you need to do this in multiple Iron Banner or in multiple Iron Banners. There could be something like that. We don't know. I don't know. Um, according to what they were saying, to set expectations for this new seal and title, Iron Lord hopefuls can expect to spend around 15 to 20 hours to unlock this flare. Some of the more hardcore players could unlock this in one week if focused, but we expect most players to need a second week, maybe even a second season. Intrepid Iron Lords will be able to guild the title in season 18. So there's going to be gilding for it as well. I'm interested to see the gilding just because gilding is sometimes does not take very long. So because some things you can gild in a day. And then others, it takes an entire season because you just don't want to jump into Gambit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just don't <laughs> want to do all that Gambit. But sometimes you can guild stuff in a day. Sometimes you you have to guild stuff, you know. It takes a lot longer than that. So we'll see. I'm really excited to, to do more Iron Banner since I've had a really nice break from PvP for a while. I've been just doing PvP in Halo. It's been pretty great. Well, and, and I, I haven't done any pvp or pvp-esque activities 
Like I, oh. I've done some Crucible and I've done some Gambit, but not enough to even get a first reset. So like, yeah, this is the first time that I haven't actively done a grind that I just don't care about. Feels really good, doesn't it? It does. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. It's super relaxing. Oh, my God. Like, if you compare last season, like, I, I was dreading going into Gambit because I knew I was going to have a bad experience. I was going to have to carry the team. And, and like, this season, I was like, all right, you know what? I'll go into Gambit with a bunch of friends. And if I end up getting the things, great. If I don't, oh, well. Mm-hmm. And it's very freeing. It's pretty great. It's really nice. Let's talk about this really nice thing that they're finally talking about, which is the new Crucible map we're finally getting. It's called Disjunction. I like it. It's apparently in the Swampy Pyramid area of Savathun's throne area, and I think that's where Fishcar is. Yes. Question mark. Uh, I, um, I think it's going to be around where the Fishcar ends. Okay. Yeah, where uh, the tree is that you can jump on. Where the fish car goes inside, maybe? Well, because, like, all we have is a single screenshot of it. Right, and it's not even a good screenshot. Like, we can see a tree in there, and we see pyramid-ness, but, like... Right. We don't know specifically where. Right. It it is going to be in that little section of the map, though. It's going to be in, you know, somewhere around the pyramid. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, their description is has a base on either end, three lanes with plenty of crossovers and large backfields. So it's a sniper map and a bow map. Um, the scout rifles will be good too. So I'm looking forward to this. Um, I love me a scout rifle, especially since iron banner no longer has a power level requirement. Uh, the first thing I'm going to do uh-huh. is grab my mountains up. <laughs> And probably what? That's not what I was. That's not the word I thought you were going to use. Revoker. Yeah. Yeah. Revoker. There it is. Revoker is coming back. There it is. Revoker. They also describe it as one of their largest maps yet. Yes. But features areas that are made for different combat styles, particularly short, mid and long range combat. So like there might be choke points that. All it is is short-range weapons. Yeah. And with some really good SMGs that we've been getting um, and their insistence that we use a lot of um, a lot of sidearms that, you know, oh my God. a sniper sidearm might be really good, which is what I used to rock all the time. <laughs> a sniper sidearm. So we'll see. It'll be good. Um, also, one mode that I really, really like is zone control. Um, that is one of my favorite modes, which is just uh, control, but with no killing. You just kept, you just capture zones. That's my favorite. To be clear, you still can kill in there. It just doesn't yeah. count towards anything. Yeah, your <laughs> your kills don't count. The points don't matter. It's all about capturing the zones. And that is the one thing I'm super good at in control, which is capturing zones. I constantly have all of the zones where everyone else has none of the zones. Welcome to zone control. Because I reigns. Where everything's made up and the points don't matter. Yeah. Uh, 
they're also going to be retooling the activity streaks. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read it, what they actually have written, and I'm going to try and explain it in layman's terms. Please explain it. It was confusing for me. My smooth brain could not understand what they were trying to do. So the activity streak now takes the sum of streak values across the four reputations, Crucible, Gambit, Strikes, Dares, and adjusts them to a maximum of five total. If you complete a match that would bring the sum of these over five, it subtracts a point from the streak of every ritual besides the one you just played. Most importantly, entering any non-ritual activity has no effect. So like patrol spaces. So to, to explain that in layman's terms, okay? I play five Crucible matches. I'm, I, I just need a break from Crucible, so I jump into strikes. For every strike that I play, that Crucible streak is going to go down. But let's say I, I play two, two strikes. Okay, so I'm at Crucible three, strike two. I decide, you know what? A friend of mine really needs to do dares. I'm going to jump in and do that a couple times with them. So I decide to do two different dares, right? So the first dare is going to subtract one from Crucible. Okay. So I'm at one dare, two strikes, two Crucible. Make sense so far? Yeah. <laughs> The second one, because the total is five already, it's going to jump dares by one, but that means that I have more than five. So it's going to look at what the next two lowest are, or the next two highest, uh, and subtract one from each of those. So for that second dares, my total will end up being four because I had two dares and then one strike, one crucible. The strikes and crucibles were equal, so it took one away from each of them. You will never go above five. And when you do go above five, it looks at what you currently have in the non-played ones, you know, the ones that you didn't just finish, and it'll figure out what to take away from. And sometimes you might have two that it will take away from at a single time. Sometimes even three. Like, if you end up in a situation where you have one Vanguard, one like one in everything, and you play... Two strikes. It will take away the three that you didn't play. So you'll end up with a streak of three, even though you had five before you did that, that last strike. It, it's, it's weird, but it will make sense once people start playing it. Start dealing with it. I think I understand. <laughs> So your streaks can, can so together, it doesn't matter like 
what game modes you're playing, they can only equal five. Correct. Okay. That's what I was getting a problem with. So it doesn't matter like how many strikes, how many gam, how many gambito, how many crucibles I do. It's going to subtract my streak of whatever I was doing from the one I played the furthest time ago. And it has to equal five. Yes. (laughs) Ha! She could be taught. (laughs) So smart. Um, There is one more thing on uh like in the twab mm-hmm. that they finally have added grandmaster rejoins so if you get disconnected from your grandmaster and you get air coded out mm-hmm. of a non-match made nightfall calm down elemis i can hear you getting super mad um you will now rejoin after logging back in uh, while you're in the state, you won't be able to change your build or equipment in the game. So it's going to be like, nope, you're still in, you're still you're still going. You're you're still locked for a GM. You're still yeah, you're still your stuff is still locked. You can't like cheat out of being able to change your stuff um, if you get error coded out. And that's through the game or your app or a third party like dim. But um, you'll be able to rejoin instead of like Elmist, who got through the Scarlet Keep until the last five minutes and then got error coded out and couldn't finish it. Yep. That makes me really sad for you. And, and the thing that gets me is that killed my momentum for the season. Like I, I haven't completed any other GMs since then. It, it just it, it. It killed my my momentum. It really was that like one not finishing that one strike or that one GM is what did it. Well, no. So like I had two other GMs that I, I still had to do, but this just, it, it killed my mentality for it. I kept thinking, well, what if I'm going to get to the end of one of the harder ones and I get kicked again? I, I, and I just, I ended up getting in that mentality and I was like, I, I don't want to do my, that to myself. It was rough. But, uh, so Orchid, how have you been this last week? Uh, Joe and I are moving currently, so it, it's it been a really busy weekend of, of moving things. <laughs> I'm really tired. <laughs> it's been like, I don't, like my neurodivergent self does not deal with change very well. Um, when it comes to like personal space change and like a lot of stress and I've not gotten a lot of sleep because I've been just like cleaning and moving and trying to make things really nice because I, I want to make things nice, you know? Yeah. So I'm really tired and I'm very grateful that my partner is very gracious and I don't know what I would do without him. Oh my god. <laughs> he cleans a lot because he <laughs> needs things a certain way. And so he's just like, I cleaned all day 
on Saturday, like all day. I slept two hours. Like I went to bed at like 7 a.m. on Saturday and I woke up at 9 a.m. And um, the bakery I used to work at, I used to work at a place called. <laughs> so they brought me baked goods in the morning. Because I called them and I'm like, will you guys bring me breakfast? They're like, yeah, sure, we got you. <laughs> and I'm like, yay. <laughs> so they brought me breakfast and I like ate. That was the only food I ate all day, which is like a chocolate croissant and a raspberry croissant and like in a quiche. But I like cleaned all day and it, it looked like I did not clean at all. And he was like, no, I see that you did so much. And he was like, so very gracious. And like, we did so much work over like Saturday and Sunday and moved things and like took furniture apart and moved some of his stuff in. And we still have other things. He's going to start moving more of his things in next week um, before this episode even drops. And like, it's... This is kind of like a big thing of like moving someone moving in with the other person. So <laughs> we're just like, huh, it's a, it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't like lived with someone in quite a while. I really am looking forward to like Memorial Day weekend. I'm going to see Rindle. Rindle and I are going to hang out with each other. Did I tell you this? I see it on the calendar. <laughs> yeah, Riddle and I are going to hang out with each other. He's going to come up to Seattle and hang out with me. Give him a hug for me. I will. I will. But Riddle and Sammy, his wife, are going to come up to... They're going to drive up to Seattle and come hang out with me. And I'm really excited. Yeah, give, so, give them both a hug for me. I will. Yeah. But we're going to hang out. And I'm like... He... That, that's I'm gonna be awesome so excited yeah so i get to like hang out with rendell and see his dumb face i'm really excited and i have i haven't told sammy this i told rendell this but i haven't told sammy this i have so sammy his wife is she's an author and she like writes books like actual books yep you can buy on amazon and i own them like in hardback me too and I want her to sign them for me. Oh, I've like, I've already told her, like, when I had... Is that a thing that you can ask her to do? I've already told her that, like, I'm bringing them the next time I'm, you know, back home. Because they only live, like, 20 minutes away from my, my parents. Yeah. So I, I told her that, like, I am taking them to have her sign them when I visit. Oh. Yeah, I'd be like, it's that a thing? Can you ask like people to do that? Is that weird? Can I be like, will you sign my books? It's only weird if you like, make it weird. I love making stuff weird. It's like my favorite. <laughs> I can tell. Be like, hey, maybe I sign my books. Anyway, how are you? I'm good. Work has been good. I've uh, got some things in the pipeline to to fix, and this weekend has been a ton of fun uh so my girlfriend and i went to go see hairspray the musical because it was actually in one of the theaters by my first job out here in dc and for three hours like i got to see her just like the theater was dark but i got to see her and and her excitement for 
you know, all the songs that they were singing and, and all the characters that they had and everything. It, it was just, it was awesome. And then we went out to dinner afterward. And it was a good, good night. And it was like, I, I, her and I looked at some of the posters of like what they have planned coming up. And we saw Beetlejuice the musical on there. So that's supposed to be really good though. Beetlejuice the musical. I've heard a lot of good things about it. Yeah, it's supposed to be good. So like her and I are already planning that, but it's it's next March, I think. So it's it's gonna be fun. And that like today was just a recoup day. Like we went out yesterday and did all the exciting things, and today I was like, I am not leaving this apartment. <laughs> Oh, man, I feel you on that one. I need like six recoup days. <laughs> I don't have that. I need to do more moving and like packing and cleaning. I'm so Same. tired. I've I've got packing to do. Yeah, you're moving in a couple of weeks. In about a month. God, we're both moving at the same time. This is like really bad timing. That's why we've got some little lures in, in the works, people. Yay! Little lures get wrecked, guys. <laughs> just, just to let everybody know, you know, we've got some little lures that we're we're planning on doing, just so that you know, Orchid and I can focus on real life stuff, but still maintain so we can move content for you guys. <laughs> we need to move houses. It's important. It is. Yeah. Because I don't feel like covering $2,700 a month by myself. Oh my god. That's so much money. That That's how much my current apartment is. But I'm sharing it with a roommate. So like, yeah. Oh my god, that's so much money. But you know what isn't a lot of money? This, this Lord, Lord Network, Network ad. ad. Nice. For $5 and some feet pics, you too can have this Lord Network ad. Just send them straight to Orchid. Yeah, please do. I need some. I mean, no. The Lore Network. Do you have any burning questions or theories from the story of Destiny the Game? Check out our podcast, Spin Foil Theory, where we examine your burning questions about Destiny's rich history and lore. Listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher. Also check us out on our website, SpinFoilTheory.com, for articles, memes, and extra content. So, I think that ad was very feet pick worthy. It was. I'll take it. <laughs> So brief intro to the topic. This book is obtained by completing the Over Your Dead Body Triumph, which is to run PSYOPs Battlegrounds and defeat Light Hoarders in the first... Like, typically they're in the first room. And this entire lore book goes into more detail about Saladin's ink block cutscene. If you don't know what that is, go onto YouTube and look it up. Yes. Even though we are actually going to be covering the text of it in just a moment. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm going to read this. Sounds good. Okay. Um, here is the cutscene. Long ago, 
even before there was a last city. I was deep on patrol in the old forest when a local villager sought me out. They asked me to catch a thief. I told them the Iron Lords were no mercenaries, but I saw their pride as well as their poverty. When they offered me a loaf of black bread instead of coin, I agreed. Just before sunrise, I caught my thief, a young girl stealing what she could carry, food when she could find it, coin when she couldn't, weapons to protect what she has taken. There was no fear in her eyes. She said the bandits in the forest ordered her to steal in exchange for protection. The penalty for theft in those times was death. Instead, I pulled the crest from around my neck and pressed it into her hands. I told her the wolves would protect her. In a settlement rich with stolen supplies, I found the bandits and cut them down. 38 lives to spare one. And for a time, I believed that was mercy. Many winters passed before I found myself back in that part of the old forest. This time, no one sought me out, so I sought them instead. Wind blew through rotted wood and rusted metal where the village once stood, and behind it, graves, then piled stones, then bare mounds of earth, and then a pit. My blood was high. I tore through the forest hunting for those responsible. Finally, in a settlement rich with stolen supplies, I found her, a lightless woman with my crest around her neck. There was no fear in her eyes. She spoke plainly. When the villagers could no longer tithe, her wolves no longer protected them. She bled them dry, and when they had no more to give, she sent in her men, unleashed her wolves. Mercy to an enemy cannot come at the cost of mercy for their victims. The right path isn't always easy to find. But once you do, the only question is whether you're strong enough to walk it. I liked the cutscene. Like, it, it was an ink block cutscene like Bungie's been doing for mid-season stuff, and it's really cool. It is really cool. I really like it a lot. The only problem that I have with it is salad in himself yeah and that's because they're they're starting to veer that character into a direction that wasn't his character and they're trying to you know and they're trying to retcon stuff to make it all right that his character is going this way i'm wondering um with his character back from the very beginning if it wasn't if he wasn't actually that way and we just never saw it that may be possible. I, back in Rise of Iron, I always saw Saladin as the righteous, 
honorable knight because he was trying to do right by his old fire team. He was trying to protect the city from Siva and the fallen. And every other story about him has been, you know, he is a knight, an iron lord, and that holds weight. So this might actually be more of just like I had an image of the character based on the few things that we've gotten about him and me just filling in the rest. I mean, I don't know if maybe our idea of knights was just so shiny and always on this pedestal that we forgot about all of the terrible things they had to do to climb up onto that pedestal. That very well could be. Because, I mean, like when you're on a pedestal, you don't see, you know, the pile of bodies that you had to climb over to get to the pedestal. And and the thing that I just thought of, and I'm, I'm going to have to try and remind myself, is that this cutscene, like, it comes before he's actually an Iron Lord. Right. Because he talks about, you know, how it's his crest. And they offered him black bread instead of coin. The Iron Lords made sure that they were like, no, we are doing this to protect people. And they told everyone that. So, like, this had to have been long before the Iron Lords themselves. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to try and remind myself of that because I... Whenever I think of Saladin, it, it's just it's Saladin and Iron Lords are synonymous. For the longest time, they were one in the same. And this is coming from a time that that wasn't the case. I'm wondering also if he, because of this interaction, that's why the Iron Lords started. It definitely could have been a, a contributing factor. Like this could have been the catalyst. Yeah. Yeah. That he needed it to he's like, no, like I need I need that set of rules. I need those standards because like what has happened here cannot happen again. Because this is this is really jarring to go through. Yeah. Like you th you think you're doing the right thing and it fucks you. <laughs> like it, it literally comes back and it's like she turns out to be garbage. Like she's she goes and she's becomes worse than the enemies that he killed before. And I know that he's decided that that makes him the bad guy because he decided to try to save this innocent girl. But I think what she took out of it was that like strength is what you need to win. And back then, like you needed strength to win. Because that's how you survived. Yeah. I mean, that's at a time of war. That's how it is. And I think I know in the context of this cutscene, he's trying to tell he's trying to teach Crow a lesson. And he's like, you don't you don't treat your enemy with kindness like you treat your enemy like the enemy. Because like your enemy is going to straight up shank you like they don't care about you. They're your enemy. Like, do not show your enemy weakness. Like, do not show them kindness. My argument is that, like, you need to keep your humanity because then you're no better than your enemy. Yeah. We've had other games have the same concept. Like, you have the same concept in Mass Effect, I think. 
And you also have the same concept in Dragon Age. Like Bioware loves this concept. And I think this concept is important to remember playing this game as well. That you shouldn't give up your humanity just because you're fighting the hive. Well, and especially since in Witch Queen, the hive were the more humane characters. Like they, yeah. they were the more humane groups than actual guardians. Like we went in and, yeah. and just annihilated. And sure, like the the psyops ones, you know, they actually were harvesting light, but like I I don't know. It's they really wanted gray areas and that's what they delivered on. They delivered on a bunch of gray areas. Like they definitely did. Me, like I would not have taken away the same thing that that Saladin did in this situation. Because I feel like he took away the I'm not going to help people like that again thing. Because like his whole like you, you have to show people strength in times of war. But like I don't know like how, why he's teaching that lesson when he then went to go form like the like all the iron wolves and shit like how do you reconcile those two things right and and like how i i don't know how like if you're doing things to help other people and help other groups and you're like you literally form a group of guardians to help normal people you know like we know that story with Felwinter and everybody else. But then he goes and tells Crow this story. And I get that like you had you had to do this to get to that other story, but then he's telling him this story anyway. I don't you can't this story doesn't negate everything else he did. Like, why are you going back to being this? I oh, I don't understand. Like, are you both? Is he both? Help me out here. <laughs> like, I I do see the the conflict that you're having because, again, like we've known Saladin to be that honorable man. Yes, and then, and again, like this stuff is coming from before the Iron Lords. Yeah. So like trying to reconcile the two is is what's causing issues in my mind. I'm having real problems with it. Maybe the next entry will fix it. Maybe. Do you want to read it? Absolutely. Okay. Maybe it'll fix it. And this is entry one. Violent tributaries. Saladin awakens, not from sleep, nothing so gentle. From death? No, not yet. From lost consciousness. For how long? He moves to stand, his feet drift without friction. No ground below him, falling, no, floating. Pine needles sway in a sea of surrounding green haze. Sun rays plunge through the canopy above and wash over him. His head is lost in the arbor rose motion. 
intermittent feeling prickles the skin beneath his tarnished armor. Saladin reflexively attempts to raise his offhand to summon Izira. Numbness responds. He must be hit. He cycles breath through his lungs and sorts instinct from reason. He twists to see the wound. Nerves blaze corkscrews through his neck. Panic. No. No need. Pain he could abide. Reality clarifies. The Iron Lord hangs from a branch run through his shoulder back to front. Ten centimeters thick. What good was his damn armor? Saladin traces a thick flow of blood down his arm as it breaks into tributaries before reuniting at his fingertips. Droplets pool some 60 meters below, soon to soak into the soil and fade. Beside the pool lay a splintered rocket launcher he'd forged from a reclaimed mortar, dropped when he lost consciousness. Saladin flexes against the axe strapped to his backplate. Wood grinds against his load-bearing collarbone. He grimaces as he lifts his head to gaze at the cliff above. Smoke rises from a burnt crescent impact, blown clean into the cliff's edge. A recent scar left by an artillery shell meant for Saladin's road cruiser. Raiders, he thinks. An ambush. He connects incident to meaning. Someone looking to make an example of a lord who dared to venture beyond their territory. Radagast had warned him of risen thugs fleeing to the far wilds to escape the Iron Lord's reach. He had told Saladin of their hostility, their lawlessness. Saladin would tame it. Binocular reflection catches his sight over the smoldering cliff, looking down in his direction. Unfamiliar voices echo across the rocks. A figure calls out, and others join them. Between hacking coughs, Saladin counts half a dozen hostiles. His fingers ache with chill, and his lungs sting as if coated in rime. He exhales unsteadily. For a moment, Saladin imagines Lady Yolder plunging through the clouds, booming with laughter. He imagines her obliterating the cliffside with a colossal javelin of arc lightning without hesitation. These nameless men die, and she keeps laughing until Saladin joins. His near miss becomes an embarrassing story embellished round a campfire until another takes its place, and it is forgotten. Lucidity falters, and in this moment, he can almost breathe the ash, smell the stormy night air, feel the warmth of the fire of his friends, as real as worn memories, rosed with age. Light condenses into Saladin's fingers. Arc lines fork across the bark as he grips the branch impaled through his shoulder. It hooks upward from his chest, better to break it, he thinks. Fingers dig and scorch pulp. They bite in and twist. Wood pops and splinters as a bullet snaps through the pine canopy behind him. 
then another, closer this time, as the sound of the rifle fire echoes down the cliff face. Saladin focuses his light into the edge of his palm and slashes the splintered branch free, leaving him dangling on a stub of wood. He takes a shaky breath and swings a tingling leg back to push off the trunk behind him, bracing his boot to surround his weight against the wood and lift his bone clear from the branch. His armor is slick with blood now, and he can feel a fracture in his bone, pain he can abide. He recites it as mantra. The dive to the ground below would be dangerous. Saladin prepares to push off and jump. A round strikes his armored torso, knocking the air from his lungs. His foot slips and kicks out violently. His weight shifts on the broken branch, catching hard on his collar and sending fissures through his fractured bone. Saladin roars over the gunfire and grips his shoulder. Izara, get me off this branch, he snarls. His ghost materializes before him. I taught you better than to rely on me, Izra reproves him. She swoops behind Saladin for cover. You're not dead yet. You're capable of this. Saladin strains to regain his footing. He lifts his head and wheezes as his lungs expand. Several figures above congregate around a large object, a blur of metal he recognizes as a flak cannon. I yield. Saladin laughs weakly. What will you do if I weren't here, Forge? If I had been killed? His ghost taps the back of his head with a pellet of light. It's just you and your light. What little you have left. Him and his light against a weapon of war. But they were just men. And he, a fiend of fire. Saladin conjures waning starfire from his bones. The last vestige of his will, burnt as offering to the light. Flame billows and radiates through his flesh, swirling between the gaps in his armor, moving to consume the branch. Sap hemorrhages in hissing bubbles from the wood around him. Flames overtake the branch, joining those building from the Iron Lord's armor. Ash wisps upward on agitated anabatic wind. With a pop, he descends into freefall. Branches snap against his legs as he picks up speed. Saladin gropes for the axe on his back with his good hand. As fingers find hilt, the solar light engulfs the weapon. He swings the axe from its strap and sinks the flaming blade into the tree slowing his descent and carving a wake of sparking embers toward the forest floor. The pull threatens to rend him apart. He holds until he can hold no longer and plummets the final ten meters. Wreckage striking bedrock with a wet thud. Blood vapor steams from the charred forest floor around him as he comes to. Overhead, the forest canopy explodes with a flax shell detonation. 
Fragmentation whistles through the air, showering the forest with ragged chunks of metal. Saladin kicks off the trunk at his feet and rolls his ravaged body onto his rocket launcher. Muscle threatens to separate as he hoists the launcher to his shoulder. Saladin howls, a wounded beast's final challenge. He presses the split launcher shut with his forearm and welds the metal with solar heat before fumbling to find the trigger. Another shell booms. Dense pine canopy opens momentarily from the blast wave. Saladin sees a clean line to the ridge, takes aim, and squeezes. He watches the rocket fly as shards of flak iron carve lines through his face. That was really long. And intense. Yeah. Saladin's ghost is kind of an asshole. Yeah, she is. Um, I really like her. I like the spin that you put on her, too. <laughs> like, I like the little voice you did for her. It's pretty great. Well, and, and um, the one thing I want to point out, I was yeah. immediately proven wrong. Because I thought that this happened before he was an Iron Lord. Come to find out, he was already an Iron Lord. So the rules were already set in place. I find it funny that she's the one putting him in danger. But it doesn't seem like real danger, just like figurative danger. Because I think she knows the limit that he can push himself to. Obviously being his ghost. And is trying to make him understand the limit. Does that make sense? That does. Yeah. And I don't know if she's trying to get him to understand that. I I don't. Like, did I miss something big? Like, I don't know, like, why she's really doing it. Like, at the same time that he is being shot at. Is it just to show that, like, oh, he's a, he's such a, a real big deal. He's he's doing real big war things. Well, Saladin, real big peepee, like <laughs> big peepee war guy, because he can, you know, handle all of this and have a literal tree branch like through his shoulder. Well, part of the problem is that we don't know what got him into that situation. Because otherwise, like. It might be just him trying to help people and and he was like all right i'm gonna try this without light and we see how that worked out like i just we don't know and and that's that's the problem like we're coming into this action scene not knowing any of the contexts oh some context from uh warlords hiding their light though before like osiris hit his light um if you recall from Pigeon and the Phoenix from other warlords. Yeah. I believe. So, I mean, he could have been hiding his light for a good reason. And we just don't know what it is. That could have been common back then. So he could have been doing it not as a challenge, but because there is a reason to it. it. It could have been because he was trying to avoid confrontation. Yeah. 
you know, trying not to escalate it. Yeah. Because, I mean, if I see a big ass gun pointed at me, I want to not have them shoot it. (laughs) That's just me. Because I don't want to die. Yeah. It's usually like a good thing. Not wanting to die. Yeah. Um. So reading this, like, did you get anything out of it, like, lore wise, besides the fact that, you know, there's a there's there's just a lot here. I don't know. He mentions a lot of like of old names that we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, he does. It was nice seeing like Radagast I hadn't seen in a long time. Um, Lady Yolder was nice seeing her. Like the the line that they had for for Yolder, like it made me think that he thought fondly of her, and and more fondly than like some of the others. Yeah, like not necessarily you know he had a crush on her or anything, but more like sisterly maybe could be or just like best friends like something more than just friends i mean you can be more than just friends and not have it be romantic right right yeah like just that really deep bond exactly yeah not everything has to be fucking guys i mean it's more entertaining when it is but doesn't have to be hey That's not true. <laughs> That's not true at all. I do. Um, I do want to point out this really nice line that uh, kind of has to do with him imagining his friends. Um, I did like the the idea of him remembering um, his near miss becomes an embarrassing story embellished around a campfire until another takes its place. Mm -hmm. and forgotten and i liked that he had this idea of the campfire and he could almost like feel the warmth and breathe the ash and like feel the warmth of the fire and the warmth of his friends um and the line of as real as worn memories roast with age just like really was really nice little line i really enjoyed that like this was really beautifully written even though it was like very violent (laughs) it's not like it's not halo the tv show body horror but well and and, i mean like it, it is an action scene but when you stop and look at what actually happened it Three flak grenades got shot, and then a rocket launcher got shot. And and he fell from a branch. Yeah. It did go through him. Like, let's be real. If anything, if anything is worse, like, it did go through his armor, and then he's like, my fucking armor. Like, come on. But can't he just die and then be, like, re-rezzed and have his armor be fixed? Isn't that how that works? Yeah. As far as I know. Then, like, why can't he just go kill yourself? Like, <laughs> fix your stuff. Go kill yourself and fix it. If that's how it works. I don't understand. I don't either. And a lot of that un- or misunderstanding or, or lack of understanding comes from the fact that we don't know exactly know how ghosts work. 
<laughs> no, because they're cagey sons of bitches. We only know like And they're also evil. At least I think they are. Well and and even the ones who turned against humanity, like they started becoming rabid. Oh yeah. That's messed up. Legit? Yeah. I'm wondering how much of that is like the sword logic talking and like the worm being present with the light and like the parasitic worm, like with the weird darkness whispers doing something to the light in the ghosts. No, I've I've got an entry that I need to send to you. Uh, but anyway. Oh, do you want me to read the next one? Yes. OK. All right. I'm going to read this next one. This is number two. Wake. Burning grass fills Saladin's nostrils like smelling salts. He stirs from the abyss into a new life, back pressed against a towering pine that smolders with heat. Saladin blinks blurriness from his eyes to see the crater on the cliff where his rocket struck. Good. He thinks, picking fragments of metal from his plate. Azira sinks through the smoke just overhead and levitates in front of his face, light still coursing through her frame. Welcome back. You've lost, Azira says, her voice smooth as Veriglass. It was a draw, Saladin stands and fumbles with the talisman hanging from his neck. He tucks stamped iron insignia into the gorget of his armor. They're dead, aren't they? There are a million raiders and one of you, Azira snaps. She drifts into his eyeline. A draw is a loss. We need to do better than that. We? Saladin narrows his eyes and yanks his stuck axe from the scorched trunk and slings it. Fix what you break. Azira had imparted this lesson many times. You should have opened fire on the road without hesitation. I warned you they were bait. How long are you going to rest your laurels on that prediction? Saladin groans. Azira's shell tightens like a coiling viper. Do you have a plan from here? Continue sweeping east. The broadcast code might have been golden age, but the signal was weak when we caught it. Can't be far, and our patrol can wait until we clear this up. Fine observation. I agree, the ghost said curtly, floating off ahead. Saladin looks to the burning pine and uncuffs his gauntlet. Strands of ruddy leather stick beneath his nails as he removes the glove and presses his hand to bark. This tree had likely stood for centuries roots deep in the soil, branches carving territory into the greater forest. So it was for many other trees. They all had their space, a crown shyness shared by old things. One born in this forest might assume this tree had always been. He feels the warmth radiating from the roasting heartwood above. Light still crackles in the ember split wood. His light, left alone, it would destroy this old pine, consume it from the inside out, 
Saladin anchors the light to his core and commands it to return, dousing the burn. The tree will heal, and today's wound will fade. This gouge marks a point of struggle surpassed, and given enough time, will fade into familiarity. Someone is coming, Azira reports in a quiet voice. Are they armed? Saladin whispers, hand slowly drifting to the haft of his slung axe. Before Azira can answer, a thin man in coarse linen fumbles into view. Terror paints his face as his eyes fall on Saladin. I, I have no weapon, the man says with a thick local accent. He eyes Saladin's equipment. You are Iron Lord? Awe washes over the man's face. Azira zips between him and Saladin. Did you not hear the explosions? What do they teach you people out here? Many stray dogs fight here. The man's gaze drops to the ground. So, uh, sometimes scraps are left after. Weapons. Like a buzzard, Saladin accuses. No! The man throws his hands in the air. Others steal from village. We find weapons to fight back. I see. Saladin nods. Do you or your people have a radio? Azira asks. The man lets out a curt laugh before realizing the ghost is serious. Oh, uh, no? Then this is a waste of our time, Azira whispers to Saladin. The man steps forward. Please, wait, find mercy in your heart. He braces a hand on his thigh and takes a slow knee. Iron Lords protect people. You kill monsters. His eyes dart between man and ghost. You want payment? Saladin sighs. We're not mercenaries. Food, then. Better than what can be foraged here, he says, offering a blackened crust of bread from a twine rucksack. Cleaned armor and clothes, blankets, clean water, and, and good company by warm fire. The man nods eagerly. Saladin turns the meager portion of stale bread in his hand. Between winter and latent radiation, reliable food is scarce here, making thievery into a grave offense. He knows the man is lying about the resources, but only out of desperation, the kind that sends you running towards explosions. What is your name? Ah. Kepri. I am Kepri. You said you were being stolen from Kepri. The more can more that can be replaced? Last thieves came, the village lost Elmi. Kepri says, holding back tears. We will starve if thieves are not stopped. Show me. The man leads them down a lightly trafficked footpath marked by hand-driven stakes bearing illegibly worn highway signs. Southeast, until the trees thin and the smell of muddied livestock and wheat overtakes the pine. Azira and Saladin hang several steps behind Kepri on approach to a small and lightly fenced swine enclosure with a pathway bisecting it. Saladin notes the fence itself serves more to stop the three pigs from wandering off than to keep anything out. 
He quickly surveys a handful of rusty corrugated metal dwellings that wind out from the swine run and encircle a better maintained storage structure in Longhouse. Beside the Longhouse lies a humble stable for a goat that chews its salad in sleeves when he passes by. The handful of families living here stand and stare as Saladin sloshes through the muddy entrance, Azira floating close behind. Kepri heralds the duo as saviors. The words feel coarse in Saladin's ears, but he graciously shakes the people's hands and takes their stories as evidence towards finding their thieves. There's a prideful nature to their expressions and the meager gifts they offer, the kind that come from starting with nothing and arriving at something. Saladin couldn't help but smile at their perseverance. They took Elmi from Penn, Kepri says, scared our goat. My son and I chased them, but they made off with her, along with half the dried meat stores. He wrings his hand. Elmi is a pig, Saladin says flatly. Kepri nods, teary-eyed. Only girl hog. Without her, without her, we starve. Azira flitters close to Saladin as she emits a wide-sweeping scan from her shell. Forge, I doubt they're aware, but that Golden Age transmission is receiving a signal from the Longhouse. So... Here we see that Saladin is actually being requested and and to to come help them to come help a village dealing with a a thief, mm-hmm. and the villagers don't have much. Um, like it said here, there's a prideful nature to their expressions and the meager gifts they offer, the kind that comes from starting with nothing and arriving at something. So they they don't have much, but they're willing to give what they do have. Yeah, exactly. It's when you don't have much of anything and you want to give a gift to somebody and you know that they probably expect much more, but it's the best thing you have. It's that's all you can do. Yeah. And just hope that they're gracious enough to take it and understand that, like, you're doing your best. And I looked up the name Kepri. Mm-hmm. It's not the same Kepri as Kepri's horn. I just want to put that out there. It's not the same person. It's not even spelled the same. Correct. Kepri's horn is spelled K-H-E-P-R-I. This one is spelled... This one is K-E-P-R-I. Yep. Not K-E-P-R-E. Yeah. K-E-P-R-E, yeah. I did think for a hot second, I was like, a Kepri? No. It's it's pronounced the same, but it's it's not the same person. I thought it might be for a second, though. I <laughs> right? was like, oh, I, I, clever bungee. I had to do a double take. Uh, the name is mm-hmm. Hungarian, but I can't find an actual meaning behind the name or anything. Oh, interesting. Hungarian name. Cool. Yeah. It was just a little f- fun fact. Do you know what's also Hungarian? Most of the planet Reach from Halo. <laughs> Do you know what isn't Hungarian? The name of the city, Reach City, from Episode 8. 
of Halo, the TV show, because they couldn't be bothered to find a name that wasn't Reach City. I'm so fucking mad about that show. Like, don't even get. Sorry. I'm waiting for the final episode before I actually dive in. Don't even watch it. You're just going to get mad. God. I figure, like, I'm going to do a a call with, like, John or something and, and, like, we're just going to watch it together and, and poke fun at it. Oh, my God. It's just going to infuriate you. Oh, I know. I completely Rindle and know. I need to finish it. But I'm just like, ugh, do I have to, like, watch it again? Because well, I'm the one with the account. So, like, well, cause doesn't everyone who watches it, like, wants to watch it with me. But we're watching it at all different times. So I end up watching the episode, like, three or four times. I'm like, can we just all watch it once together? Can I only suffer through this once, please? Yeah, no. Can I just put it on and walk away and you can watch it by yourself? Um, uh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Back to this. Tangent. Um, this is this is just a lot of. Uh, it's the setup. It's a. It's the setup for what happens. Yeah, it's the setup it's for the next. It's really two. long. These are really long. And that is why we're only doing two entries per episode. Sorry, listeners, but I, I don't think we would be able to do a two and a half hour episode. I don't. I don't want to put Rindle through that. Yeah, I'm. Before we like stop, I'm really interested in the fact that a lot of this is about him like paying a penance or like abiding by um, the iron degree. It's a lot of him like punishing himself and like he's guilty and feels that guilt and like has this need to punish himself. And that that's like the feeling I'm getting like as we're reading this. And, like, the language that he's using. And a lot of it is, like, self-punishing language. And, like, guilt. Which makes me think, what does he really have in his past? It's not that... It's not that... I think he feels guilty because he went to go save the girl or the pig or whatever. Whatever he went to go save and kill all those people. Well, like... Or something. That hasn't happened yet. I know, but he goes to this, he goes here, but I think it's because he's telling the story of this. So this is him telling the story. That very well could be. I don't think this is happening as we're reading it. I think this is him telling the story and we're reading it of him telling it. I don't know. I I feel like it's more like, like the, I'm reading it more like we're getting something like black armory papers where it's like a we're reading something that already happened you know and see with with how certain things are are worded i think this is more of just like a flashback yeah rather than but it's like rather than just like reading somebody's report on it or well it's not like a journal but it feels very much like it already happened and it's long ago like you know right here and it's not currently happening yeah like right here elmy is a pig saladin says flatly 
Like to me that Well, yeah, he's going to say it flatly. But like that to me that doesn't convey like it makes it sound like it it's happening now rather than it's being conveyed post mortem. I mean, it's just a way to write it. It's just the tense that they used. I don't know. I don't like currently I don't particularly like it. But that's just me. It like it's bordering on it's not purple prose, but it's like bordering on too long for something that has yet to make its point. And we're like, like halfway done the, with the book. Get to it's we're <laughs> halfway done and it has yet to make its point. Yeah. It's a lot of him feeling guilty about something that we don't know theoretically what he's feeling his guilt about yet which we do know what it is but we haven't gotten to that part yet well and, and question mark I'm, I'm still thinking that it's it's not that particularly then i don't know what his deal is right like, I, I i don't either and i don't but... know if it's my bias of like i don't particularly like saladin anymore and i used to right and and I'm I liked him in D one. I did too, and like, a lot of that I came he from was the like fact, a real tragic character. Well, and, and a lot of that came from the fact that he was an Iron Lord, and he stuck to the Iron Decree. You know, he stuck to the rules that they set up. And you just like people who don't break rules. Well, no, like I'm fine with rule breakers. But if you build the character one way and then have them do something that's off character all of a sudden, it feels like you're not really taking the character for for the past that they had. Like you're not building the character on what they previously had history for. You're just creating this new character and borrowing a name. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm having such an issue with it. Like, I was trying to reconcile the fact that, you know, this might have been before the Iron Lords, but no, like, they specifically call out the Iron Lords. So at this point, the Iron Decree is a thing, and I I, I just, I don't know. But we will cover the rest of the book next week. Yeah. So, Orchid, shout out? Um, shout out to um, Charles Leclerc, who crashed um, uh, one of the most iconic Ferraris in all of F1. He crashed Nikki Lauda's, like, Ferrari in Monaco today, and I'm just like, how could you do that? I am stupid. I am stupid. I switch off everything. Oof. That's... Yeah, that's a big oof. oof. So shout out to that. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> Can't believe it! <laughs> hey guys, it's Rendell again. Just wanted to take a second put my Formula One hat on and lay down some knowledge. So since recording, a couple more details have come out as to what exactly happened 
obviously the 312 b3 that Charles leclerc was driving is an absolutely priceless piece of engineering it's also let's not beat around the bush a nearly 50 year old race car and yeah a brake gave out you can actually see pieces of the front left shooting out underneath the car as he is braking for Rascas, which is one of the corners over in Monaco. The car spun. The back of it ended up hitting the wall. Rear wing got bent all to hell. But what's important is that no one got hurt. And certainly this is nothing that Charles did. He was just driving the car the way that it ought to be driven. Ultimately, it is a case of us, you know, having a little bit of a laugh. But again, what matters is that no one got hurt at the end of the day. I know that Charles was absolutely distraught and just inconsolable after the accident. And I hope that he's doing a lot better now. Glad that everyone's okay. Back to the show. No, really, um, a shout out to uh, my partner for being really understanding of me being a nervous wreck all the time and having like real like true anxiety over this. And he's super lovely and uh, I adore him. So. Um, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I really appreciate him. That's cool. So, What about you? Yeah. Uh, shout out to my partner because we we had a fun weekend and I I haven't had a date like that in a long long time where it was just it, it was fun and there was no ulterior motives or anything and it was just we just had a good time and it was it was nice so yeah. Uh this I'm glad you had a good time. <laughs> and got to see a really fun musical out of it too. Oh my god. His yes. hairspray is really great. And oh my god, yes. Super fun and has really good music. And if is yeah. If anybody I've missed seeing live musicals. If anybody wants to to get the story of it. Like, I s highly suggest you look for the 2007 version of the movie. Because uh, John Travolta plays the mother. And he does a phenomenal job. Like, and it's got Queen Latifah, Christopher Walken. Like, it's just, it's an awesome cast. They're phenomenal. And the actual play that we saw, like, the man who played the 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 character's mother absolutely blew it out of the park. Like he was amazing to the point that like during the actual play, like during the intermission, I had slipped up and I called him a, a woman and my partner's like, um, wrong gender, but I mean, your heart's in the right place. I mean, we tried well, like, I mean, he's he's playing a woman and he's doing it phenomenally. Like, I, I just I totally lost touch with the fact that it was a man under the makeup. I mean, when they do a good job with it, like, like, and they actually do a good job with it, especially um, people who do drag, which he does like, 
Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It really is amazing. The transformation. It's so good. So it was just it was it was a fun weekend. And I'm I'm looking forward to more weekends like that. So uh, this is the part of the episode that we like to give special thanks. The audio for this episode was produced by Rindle Zivas. You can find him on Twitter at Rindle Zivas. The artwork for this episode is courtesy of Volshock B on Twitter. That's at Volshock B. The music in this episode is copyright Bungie. We are able to use it under their fair use policy because they love their content creators. If you'd like to dive into Destiny lore on your own, visit ishtar-collective.net. They are the resource we use to make our show notes. Thank you, Baxter. Thank you, Baxter. And final reminders. You can find us on Twitter at guardians underscore lore, at heyitsorchid, or at i underscore am underscore elemist. You can email us at guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. You can leave us a review wherever you find the podcast. And if you do, let us know about it. Uh, And you can do that by joining our Discord. The invite is down in the episode description, but if you'd like to type it out, it's discord.gg slash lorehub. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit ko-fi.com slash guardians underscore lore. Every little bit helps. Thank you. Thank you. So, Orchid, say goodbye. Goodbye, Elmist. <laughs> Said in a threatening manner. <laughs> take care. Da, da, da. <laughs> oh, you take care. Have a pleasant evening. Get some good rest. God, I hope you have sweet dreams. Right along those sweet meats. Ooh, <laughs> sweet meats, you say? My daddy callous. Mm. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Otters. <laughs> <laughs>